Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. All right, is that better? There you go. That was all me, Arthur. I apologize. Uh, but hey, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Let me read this to you real quick uh, because I got a letter this week. We're excited. Next week we moved to Leesburg High School. Kind of weird. Uh, welcome. If it's your first time here, it's also your last time here uh, because we're moving next week and we're excited about that going to Leesburg High School. Um, let me read you this. I got this letter this week, actually, from a teacher. Um, anybody that goes to Leesburg, do you know Mr. Jelsma? Richard Jelsma? Yeah, you know Mr. Jelsma? So this is from Mr. Jelsma at Leesburg High School. Uh, dear members of Church of the Lakes, my name is Richard Jelsma and I teach Algebra 2 at Leesburg High School. I'm writing you today to say thank you for the gift card from Office Depot that your church gave me for my students. I used it to buy dry erase markers for my students. We practice their math skills on dry erase boards, and my students go through a large number of dry erase markers. I have worked, here's the cool part, I have worked at the high school for 20 years, and no church or organization has ever done anything like this before for us. Thank you again on behalf of all of my students. May God bless you, and all you, uh, and, and may his light shine on each and every one of you. Sincerely, Richard Gelsman, Algebra 2. So, thank you, church, for your giving um, and, and the opportunity to do that. We have so many great things coming up. Um, and again, sign up for Saturday if you can come and help us. Please make sure you sign up because we are providing lunch, so we want to know how much lunch to have. Uh, barbecue tickets are coming. Uh, but we also, the ushers are going to come now. We have some invitation cards to give you for this week so that you can uh, invite some people to come and join us on Easter. So if you will take, you know, five or six invitation cards uh, put them in your pocket, give them out this week. And let me suggest this. A great place to leave them is when you leave a tip. But there's a catch. When you leave a tip, you've got to leave a honking tip if you're going to leave one of our cards. You know what I'm saying? Like a honking tip's like 20, 25% kind of thing. So uh, leave a good tip and, and leave uh, an invitation card this week. We're really excited. I talked to one family, and uh, I don't know what to expect next week. Because I talked to one family and they were like, yeah, Pastor Mike, we're all excited. Uh, there's 10 of us coming for Easter next week. Uh, so we're kind of expecting to be somewhere between four and 600 people next week at Leesburg High School, which is going to be pretty awesome. So uh, come and join us. Invite somebody to come with you uh, while you're doing that. And then also I want to tell you uh, one of the other things that we've provided as a church. Some of you guys have taken advantage. Some of you guys have not yet. And it's called Right Now Media. Right now, media is kind of like a Christian Netflix, if you will. And uh, there's thousands of videos that are available to you online. And the church has already paid for it. All you have to do is get a sign-in. So it's completely free. Here's even better. If you love what you see, you're welcome to share it and give it to someone else for free. You can send it to a friend. You can send it to your, your grandmama in Michigan if you want to. Um, and she can use it also paid by the church. And it's under us free for her. So on that, one of the things I'm going to suggest, and we're going to put it on Facebook this afternoon, there's something on right now on media called the Easter Experience. And what it is, is there's six videos. My suggestion is going to be that you start tomorrow. That'll take you through next Saturday. 
Um, and there's six videos, and they're just 20-minute videos. You can watch them on your phone. You can watch them on your iPad, computer, whatever. But they're 20-minute videos. Watch one each day to help you walk through Holy Week this week, to help you kind of walk through the process. I don't know about you, but a lot of my life, my family was all about coloring eggs and Reese's peanut butter cup eggs. Come on, those things are made out of, like, baby angels or something. But anyway... Um, but, but, you know, that has a tendency to be everything. And ladies, you're planning ham or whatever your menu's got to be and how many people are coming. And there's already been arguments about how much we're spe- time we're spending at his house and her house and all that. Anyway, listen to that's not what Easter's about. Easter's actually about Jesus, y'all, believe it or not. Uh, kind of a crazy thought. And so my hope is to really encourage you this week not to just get to Easter and celebrate Easter, but maybe this week to walk through Holy Week, right? kind of walk through the concept. And actually, I'm going to teach that way today. I'm going to walk us through the last week of, of Jesus's life, and we're going to use uh, some of what he did and, and some of the, the scenario of how he lived to help us a little bit and help us think through our life and what we're doing. So I'm going to jump right into John 19. And uh, just to set the scene, Jesus is on the cross uh, in, in what we're about to read. He has been on the cross uh, for uh, several hours now. And uh, so it's, it's, it's getting to the end of what's been a really brutal uh, day. His day on that Friday would have started at 6 a.m. on Friday and, and um, would have included false trials, um, would have included being spit at and mocked. And, and then, of course, we all know of him getting into being beaten beyond recognition. All he gets put on the cross. And then the scripture tells us we read last week that at noon, darkness came over the land. For three hours. So somewhere around three o'clock is where this verse picks up. John nineteen twenty-eight. it says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished. I'm going to come back to that. Knowing that everything had been finished. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I love the fact that my Savior, my God, in the midst of what has got to be the most horrific scenario of anybody ever's experience on this face of this earth, He's still living on purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like he's got a vision. He's got, he's thinking of what needs to be done and what needs to be fulfilled. And we're going to talk about that today. But so the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge to a sock, uh, to the stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lip. That's kind of another mocking. I mean, how many of us on a really hot day, we love a good, you know, lukewarm, glass of vinegar, right? I mean, you could see in a picture just that, but he took it. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said these three words, it is finished. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. What a, what a crazy moment in history or in time to think of God, the father turning his head away from the son for three hours. And Jesus makes that statement, it is finished. And I want you to understand the significance of that. And and the the, the, the significance for us is that there were over 300 prophecies that were given hundreds of years before this about the Messiah. So there were these guys, prophets and different people way back in history that wrote all these different things that would happen to the person who really was the Messiah. And so the reality that 300 or so of these prophecies had been written, 
And, and, and that may not sound too big, but let me kind of put it in perspective. For eight, just eight, not 300, for eight of those prophecies to be fulfilled in one person, the likelihood, any math people here? Let me give you some math. The likelihood of that is 1 times 10 to the 64th power. What that means is that 64, I mean that's 10 with 64 zeros behind it. 1 in 10 to the 64th power. Now, if you're like me, and that just kind of sounds all nebulous, I can't wrap my mind around it, let me give you a, a, a little bit of a prophecy for dummies. Are you ready? If you took Girl Scout cookies, am I talking your language now? If you took Girl Scout cookies, okay, simple chocolate-covered Girl Scout cookies, and you covered the state of Texas a foot deep, got it? You take one of those cookies randomly and you lick the chocolate off of it, and you toss the cookie center back into the middle. Then you take a big mixer and you mix up the whole state. Then you put a blindfold on and start walking, and you randomly walk, stop, bend down, pick up a cookie. The likelihood that one person would fulfill eight of those prophecies is the same likelihood that you would pick up your cookie over the entire state of Texas. What's miraculous and amazing is Jesus didn't fulfill eight. He fulfilled 300. So when he said it is finished, he was so meticulous. Catch this right to the end. He was so meticulous as to catch the fact that the Savior would take a drink on the cross And so the scripture here catches that moment, that he's meticulous in the moment. Jesus, Savior of the world, God and man, all in one. We don't totally grasp that. We don't totally understand it. But he was 100% God, and yet he was 100% human. The feelings and the emotions and everything that we go to. But he lived a perfect life. He lived in such a way where he never looked back and thought, dang it, I shouldn't have done that. Or dang it, I should have done this. He never said that. Because he lived this perfect life. And so here he is hanging on the cross. And he says it is finished. And he dies. And in that moment, the human perspective is failure. The human perspective, everyone standing around looking at this, is looking at failure. He he died. He must not have been. I guess this is not real. And yet what I need you to hear is at the exact same time, the heavenly perspective is victory. Because three days later, Jesus will rise from the dead and overcome death. And so what I want to say to you is there's the battle. The battle is perspective. Because many of us are in situations and from a human perspective, it looks like failure. But from God's perspective, he is setting up victory. He has set up something that is successful. The key for you and I, and the problem that happens most of the time, is most of the time we quit before victory comes. We give up. We walk away. We get frustrated. And I've seen it over and over and over over the years. I've been a a pastor now, believe it or not, 19 years. It's crazy to think that through. But for 19 years, I've seen that same scenario over and over and over. People will come get excited, get plugged into the church, start trying to seek after God and learn what he's doing. But then life gets hard, right? Like life gets tough and you get frustrated and, and you're having kind of the week that we're going to go through that Jesus had. And so I just, I forget it. I walk away right when 
their marriage was about to have some sort of a breakthrough. Right when they were about to see the fulfillment of the promise of what it is that God was going to do inside of them. And so what's so amazing about this moment is not just the salvation and redemption of this moment that he said it is finished. And the reason he said it is finished is so that you can live life. Right? John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And so he says, it is finished. I have taken care of all the sin of this world, all of your sin, so that you can have true life. But what I want to point out is a different sort of angle of looking at this. When he said it is finished, he gave you and I a perspective on what it means to be a finisher. And boy, if there's something when I look around, and this is just one silly white man's opinion, but... When I look around our culture, one of the things that we are struggling with is finishing. We're struggling with the ability to follow through. We got some great starters, right? We got got plenty of people that have a good idea how to get started or to do. But boy, when the going gets tough, the tough run or split town, right? I ran into a couple that were good friends of ours uh, for years and years and um, Keith and Angie ended up going off and being missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And they've been doing that for all the years that I've been a pastor. They've been out in the jungle. Uh, had and raised four girls out in the jungle. Um, and, and just cool people. But I ran into them the other night at Leesburg High School. We went to the band concert. And uh, we were talking after the concert. And Keith said to me, he said, dude, every time we run into you and Jen, it, it's, such a, it's such a breath of fresh air. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And we were in Sunday school class together uh, some 19, 20 years ago, maybe longer than that, 24 years ago, something like that. Uh, at First Baptist Leesburg, we were in a, a, a young couple's Sunday school class. And Carl Munn, Munn's Air Conditioning, Carl Munn was our Sunday school teacher. And, and there was this, he said, you know what, every time I run into you guys, I'm so glad that y'all are still married and you still love Jesus. Because he said, it seems like every time we come home from a sabbatical, there's another marriage that's a divorced there's another struggle here. There's another, they're not really going to church anymore. All that sort of stuff. And so what happens is the enemy would love to come around and to make life so tough and the struggle and offer you for you to just quit. And I would be willing to bet in a room this size, there's some people here this morning, you're thinking about quitting some things. Maybe your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's that certain endeavor that you've been doing for a while and you're not really sure. Maybe in some ways, mentally, emotionally, maybe you've given up on your spouse. Maybe you've given up a little bit on your kids. Maybe you've given up on the idea that Leesburg could be more than Leesburg. Maybe we've given up on the ideas. And what I want to do today is I'm about to turn into a football coach. Because my job today is to pep rally you. My job today is to encourage you and, and help you to understand that I think God wants you to finish what you, what you have on your plate. Maybe not everything, but some of the things that are sitting right now. So let me, let me, let me walk through um, because I think what keeps us sometimes from finishing, one of the things that keeps us from f- finishing is procrastination. Anybody ever, anybody deal with procrastination? Anyone? Yeah. Some of you, you're going to wait till later to raise your hand. Um, some of you will get that later on. But anyway, the, the, the reality that um, we, we have this hard time finishing. And so I looked up and did a little bit of research, and I came up with six different things of why I don't think we don't finish. 
And I, and I want to start by touching on these things, and then we're going to talk about finishing just a little bit. Number one reason that we don't finish is a skills deficiency. In other words, we don't have the skills or we don't have the ability. We don't have something inside of us. We don't have the, the know-how to do it. And for many of us, we just stop right there. Well, I don't know how to do that. I, I, don't, I don't know how to. And, 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 and we kind of end up making lack of knowledge a permanent obstacle. And what I need you to hear this morning is lack of knowledge is not a permanent obstacle. Like the whole point of us learning and growing or, or, or growing and living this life is that we are learners. Leaders are learners. We should always be pushing forward to learn something else. So the very first time that my three girls and my wife came home from the hairdresser and I saw the receipt. Y'all, I got on YouTube, learned how to cut hair. You think I'm kidding. I cut it A, I can, I layer, I can do all kinds. I cut, I got my girl's hair for a long time after that. When I saw that, it, there is no excuse in the YouTube era. You can almost learn how to do anything on YouTube. Right. But listen, there, there is a part, there's something inside of us that we let lack of knowledge or skills be something that is a permanent obstacle. And I want to remind you this morning that it's not. I want to remind you this morning that the reality that you need to push through, you need to find who can help you and you need to reach out. Sometimes we don't want to admit we don't have it. That's a pride issue. Pride will keep us making skills be an issue of permanent obstacle. And we've got to get past our pride. To a point where I say, I need help with this. And some of you, you didn't have the family that other people have. You didn't have this. I didn't have the dad that some other people have. So when it came time for Jen and I to start thinking about like any kind of like investing in life insurance and all that, I was clueless because I, I never had a dad figure to have that conversation with. And so I could either sit back and let that be a permanent obstacle or I could step forward and I did and I went to some guys that were in our church now, let me just say, I went to some financially successful guys. Are you hearing me? Like some of you have called your friend to ask for marriage advice, and she's been divorced three times. Come on now. Right? You don't call your friend to ask him to help with your finances, and he filed for bankruptcy last year. And so I found some people to say, hey, how do I do this? What does this look like? What is this? And, and, and coach me in this. And so do not let skills deficiency be the thing that keeps you from finishing. Number two, lack of interest. Lack of interest. We all have jobs, things, honey-do list. Anybody have a honey-do list? No elbows. Um, anybody have an undo honey-do list? And quite honestly, if you're blunt about it, it just doesn't interest you. Like plumbing just doesn't get you all excited. Right? Or do it. And so sometimes what keeps us from finishing is just a lack of interest. Another, fear of failure. But what, if I, what if I fail? Let me ask you a question. What if you succeed? But what if I look stupid? What if you look fantastic? And here's what I would say to you about failure. Failure is good. Failure is a teacher, if you let it be. The reason that you have the pastor you have today, and I'm not perfect, I'm trying my hardest, but, but the reason I am who I am today is because of a whole bunch of failures over the last 19 years. Right? There's a whole bunch of people that they had to pay for what you might get better today because of failure, because of bad decisions I've made or things or losing my temper with this person or that kind of a thing. And so listen to me, don't fear failure, okay? So I'm just going to go ahead and say this, even though this will be a little awkward for them. 
the worship team, worship first service, kind of blew up. Like, nobody remembered words. Like, everybody was looking at each other like, can we do the sermon now? Like, that, that's kind of what happened. First service. Like, it was, it was, it was a little bit better second service. They, they pulled it together. But we went back in the back and there was tears and there was all this frustration after first service. And I said to them exactly what I'm saying to you. Listen to me. We can either sit in this or we can learn and go, okay, what did we do wrong? What needs to be done better? What do we need to do now to do second service? And they pulled together and did worship for you and you didn't even know the difference. But sir, first service was a bit of a disaster. Right? Listen to me, don't fear failure. And, and, and don't fear failure in your kids or even in your marriage or at work. Use failure to learn. Don't let that be something that keeps you from finishing. Some people fear success. <laughs> Some people fear success. Yeah, that works. It works like this. Well, if I get her flowers, she's going to expect flowers all the time. That's fear of success, right? That's fear of success. Like, if I rub his back, he's going to think I'm supposed to rub his back all the time. I mean, that, that's, and, and we do these silly things where we actually fear success and we worry about, well, if I get to that next level, what am I supposed to do at that next level? Can I be honest? I battle a little bit with this one. Like, we're moving into Leesburg High School, like, the responsibility there at Leesburg High School and the spiritual responsibility to be in that school. And what if we do have 500 people on Sunday morning? And what, like, right? And all this, right? Fear of success. And we're so worried about the next level and our deficiency in the next level. We're not focused on the fact we need to do today well. That's why Jesus said, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? And so don't let success be the fear because if God is in the success, God will empower you to the next level in what he needs you to do. Right? Fear of success. Or number six is rebellion. I just don't like people telling me what to do. And all of my teenage parents said, amen. Right? Right? Sorry, y'all. Sorry. But, but some of us just, I don't like people telling me what to do. Some of us are that person. Do you know who that person is? That person is the one that never, ever lets somebody else's idea be the good idea until they add to it. That's rebellion. Right? That's, 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 I need to be a part. That's, a, it's about, about me. And so I want to talk to you today as we walk through this week with Jesus. As we walk through what he went through and what he did and decisions he made, things he did, thoughts he had, I want to talk to you about finishing today, about finishing what it is that God has called you to do. So this week I spent some time kind of reflecting on this week for Jesus, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical um, roller coaster that was this week. And as we walk through these days, you'll see exactly what I'm saying. But this week will probably, for you, be a week of highs and lows. Right? It'll be a week of, of struggle. It'll be a week of good things and bad things and great phone calls and weird phone calls. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend who often, he describes pastoring, being a pastor, as it's just a series of awkward conversations. And that really is so true. Like people will set up and say, Pastor Mike, I'd like to have coffee with you. And I put it on there, please give a brief description of what you would like to talk about. Just because I have no idea what you're walking into in a scenario like that. Right? Sit down and have coffee, and it could be, oh, pastor, things are great, but I just need some help with this and that. Or it could be, I mean, it just could be any, and that's our lives. Our lives, we don't know. We don't know. Guys, you know, you walk in and you come in from work, 
on one day and, and your wife's like, hey, honey, how are you? Good. All right. Got some dinner. Let's do that. Oh, okay, cool. Rock and roll. And then you walk in the next day and your wife's yelling at the kids and you're like, I'm going back to work. I mean, you don't know what this week's going to, what this week may bring. And so the highs and lows. And when you think about as a church corporately, what we're doing and then what you are doing individually, you think about this week will be a bit crazy. We're, we're moving our church to a completely new location. We've got this big work day on Saturday that we're doing. So we corporately, we have all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. But individually, you're trying to work with your kids and do your job and fulfill visions and things that you think maybe God's telling you to do and do hobbies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's walk through this week with Jesus and see kind of his highs and lows. See if some of those highs and lows speak to you, but especially talk about what it means to be a great finisher. Today, on Sunday, it would have been Palm Sunday. Okay, that's why you got a palm branch. Thank you to the youth group for making our palm crosses for us for this morning. So grateful for them. And um, Palm Sunday, and, and for those of you who don't know your, the Bible very well or if you've not read it, um, that's okay. This story is, is called the triumphal entry because Jesus comes in and the reason the palm branches, if you got that and you thought this is really weird, what is this church with the weird like fern thing? Do they worship ferns? We don't worship ferns. Um, but the Palm Sunday, they waved palm branches as they praised Jesus coming in because they were like, he's the king, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior. And so they had this big parade. It's called the triumphal entry into this Sunday morning. And, 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 and so he's coming in, and, and, and back to perspective. Remember earlier when we talked about from an earthly perspective, it looked like failure, and from a heavenly perspective, it looked like victory? He's triumphal. From a human perspective, this particular moment looks fantastic. They're praising the Messiah. This is the guy. He's coming in. He's the deal. What I need you to hear is from Jesus' perspective, it was the complete opposite. Because he knew what he was coming to do. He knew what this week was going to entail for him found an illustration that I think will kind of help you understand the heart or the mindset of where Jesus was on this Sunday morning. Imagine, if you will, a young doctor, young family, so fairly newly but wed, but they've, they've got a couple small kids, and he's a doctor, and he's been asked to go to another country because they have some rare disease that has broken out in that country. So he makes the commitment, and he goes out to that country, and he spends two months in this country. Day comes for dad to come back home. Here comes the car down the, the neighborhood, pulls into the driveway, door opens. Dad, they see dad's shoe step out. I recognize his shoe, but they're a little bit more turn up than they were two months ago because he's been in a third world country. As he steps out, everybody notices, wow, dad looks a little bit thinner. Two months in a third world country, eating just couscous will do that to you, right? And, and, and he's got a little bit of a beard that's formed over the two months, and it's, but it's hiding kind of the fact that his cheeks are a little sunken in. The kids come running, Daddy, Daddy, and they grab him and hug him, and there smiles, and she smiles, and Mom embraces him. What only Dad knows in that moment is that Dad has gone to fight a disease that he has caught, and he has one week to live. That is the mentality of our Savior on this day. Because, see, the disease in this day, on this moment is sin, and he's going to take on the sin, and he has one week to live. So while they're embracing him and there's joy in what looks like in this moment, 
from a heavenly perspective is completely different. One of the things that I want to drive home and hear from you tonight is not everything that you see as victory is victory and not everything that you see as defeat is defeat. Because there is a human perspective and there is a heavenly perspective. And we see it in these two different moments how that works. So the triumphal entry, Sunday he comes, sounds all great. But what I want you to hear and understand about this moment that we can apply when we start talking about finishing in our life. What is it required to be a great finisher? Let me give you three points to help you kind of think through that process. Number one is entry. Number one is entry. All of these begin with E because Crescinda loves alliteration and gets mad at me when they don't use alliteration. So they're going to all, they're all going to start with E. Number one is, is entry. And what I mean by that is you have to enter into purpose. Many of us are doing a bunch of things. We're spinning a bunch of plates. The problem is, is I think God might be going, I I didn't tell you to do that one. And I, I didn't tell you to do that. And I didn't tell you to do that. And I didn't tell you to do that. The challenge that I, I want to put before you today for you to consider for yourself is have you really entered in to purpose or are you just kind of doing what you think you need to do and it may not be what God has called you to do? Maybe you're having a hard time finishing because it's actually not what you're called to do. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. It's what everyone else thinks you're supposed to be doing. It's what your family has told you is the right thing to do. It's what your family has told you you're supposed to major in or where you're supposed to go to college. It, it's, it's, it's the way that this person thinks. It's, you got your kids in soccer because everybody else has their kids in soccer. When the reality of what we see in Jesus in this moment is vision, understanding he knew why he was there he knew what he was called to do and there was a single focus on that moment and so entry it requires us to look at what it means to make a decision about what it is that God is calling us to do not just what we think feel or see around us because remember the worldly perspective could be wrong it could be the exact opposite of what we're thinking. Luke 9, 19 and 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's vision. That's, that's the why. One of the biggest reasons I think people fail, businesses fail, offices have a really hard time with good, healthy office interaction, is the why. Why are we doing this? Why is it that, that, that we're moving forward in this direction? Why is it that we're doing that? And let me, let me encourage you, if you are a manager of an office or people, if your people don't know why, that's why you're having a hard time with them. If you're struggling with your marriage, maybe you've lost the why. Maybe we've lost the whole concept. And so until you have an entry point, listen to me, a point where you define a why, I'll go so far as to say goals. It's called goals. There's many of us that are like, oh, I don't make goals. I just try to do this and follow God day to day. I think that's all fine and good. But when it gets hard, you need to know where you're going. When was the last time somebody went out to the shooting range without targets? And for many of us, that's, that's the struggle. The struggle is, is, We are entering into something, life, whatever, but we don't have a why. Can I remind you why you're married? Can I remind you why you're married? You're you're married to be a helpmate. 
That's why you're married. In other words, it is your job when you commit to someone else to help them fulfill the purpose that God has for their life. That's why you're married. Right? It's not for your own fulfillment. It's not for selfish reasons. It's because I have committed to God that I'm going to help this person to be who God you've called them to be and what they're supposed to do. Maybe the marriage is struggling because you lost the why. Maybe it's gotten to the point where it's more about what I can get out of it or what I'm not getting out of it. And that's why we continue to struggle on that. Do you hear and understand? Why do I have kids? Why, why do you have kids? <laughs> and on some days, parents go, I don't know why I have kids. Let me remind you why you have kids, because the Bible says go and take dominion of the land. In other words, raise up the next generation of God-fearing, God-loving youth that then get married and form God-fearing, God-loving homes and take dominion for the kingdom. That's why, you're, that's why you have kids. That, that's the purpose behind that. Why, why do I have a job? The reason you have a job is to support your ministry. Wait, what? Yeah, to support your ministry. Some have the opportunity to do ministry within their job. But one of the biggest reasons you have a job and get a paycheck is so that you have the money to support and the ability to do whatever it is that God's called you to do to make a difference in the community and the church. See, we have why issues everywhere in our lives. And this is why we're having a hard time finishing. Because once you lose the why, which you have to form in the beginning... In the entry point, why are we, where are we going? What does it look like? And maybe at the beginning, that's got to be a little vague because it'll get defined as we go. But there's got to be some kind of a target. Why do people get married? I had this conversation actually in the lobby in between services. Why do people end up getting divorced after like 25 years of marriage? Have you ever seen that? I, I see people do that. And I always, Jen and I always look at each other and just go, what in the world? Right? And, and I don't know, maybe you'll think less of us as a married couple. But we all look at each other and go, why would you do this all over again? That's what Jen and I say, right? Because marriage is tough. It's a battle. That's, that's, it's real, right? But, but you know why I think? I think that the reason you see that is because they only why they had was the kids. And when they got the kids out of the house, they went, okay, never mind. It's, it's, it's all about the why. Let me ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? And the entry point for you being a great finisher, the entry point for you finishing the calling that God has on your life is answering that question. Because when you have the why in front of you, you can deal with the, the, the poopy days, right? When, when you have the why in front of you, I can say, yeah, this stinks, but I'm going here. I'm doing this scenario. This is what God's called me to do. It's, it's all about the why, a goal, an entry point that we have to have in our lives. To be a great finisher, you got to know why. you got to know why. you got to know why. Let me, let me move on. Let me say this as a church. Why, why do we have a church? Like, like some people say, I don't do church because you know, it's me and God and we're cool. So I, I need you to understand a why. Here, here's, what, here's the why. The why is we come together corporately so that corporately we can change the condition of people and the community around us. That's why we do what we do. Now let me hear, I chose words very, very, very specifically. We're not a church to change people's circumstances. We're a church to change people's condition. What do I mean? What I mean is, we're not here just to be a social services organization. We're not just here just to give handouts and do benevolence. 
We are here to get people saved, to change their condition, their soul condition. We use circumstances to help us get to the place, but our goal is to change condition of people and the community around us. Does that make sense? That's why. That's why. You've got to have a why. Let me get back to what's going on with Jesus. So Sunday triumphal entry. Let's talk Monday real quick. And you're going to notice this. I have set up in my notes, I have set up for you devotionals for this week. You'll see where it says Monday, all the scriptures are listed. And those scriptures are everything that happened on Monday to Jesus. So on this, on tomorrow, you can read those scriptures as a devotional to think about this is what was going on with Jesus on this day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, through the rest of the week. So your notes are set up for a devotional for this week as well. Monday, Monday is a, is a crazy day because Monday, Jesus does this thing that for our culture, I'll say it that way. For our culture, uh, our culture has a really, a real struggle with uh, Monday Jesus, because our culture it wants to make Jesus hippie Jesus, peace, love, and happiness. This is Jerry Garcia Jesus, right? It's all good, and we all love each other, and we're just supposed to be kind and love on each other. But there's a problem with that, because you know what Jesus did on Monday? Jesus picked up a bull whip on Monday. And went and cleared out the temple. Now, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Right? Like, like, well, wait, wait, what? He did, he did what? And what I need you to hear is, listen to me, there is such thing as righteous anger. We have to be very, very careful because we can use that term to hide unholy anger. But there is such thing as righteous anger where Jesus rose up to something and said, you know, this is some place that I've got to draw a line in the sand. If we're going to be great finishers as followers of Jesus, listen to me, you're going to have to draw some lines that are unpopular. You're, you're, you're going to have to make some decisions and go, you know what? This is not going to happen. Or, or we don't believe in that. Here's a, here's a line that I draw, that I believe the church should draw, that I believe is, and this is a tough one because it's a hot button issue, but we draw the line on abortion. 70,083. Got the number in your head? 70,083. So picture, if you would, a football stadium full. That's the number of babies that we're aborting every year as a nation. 70,083 lives that never have the opportunity to fulfill what it is that God's called them to do. I know there are circumstances. I know there's got to be somebody in here who's got a little bit of pushback and wrestle with that. But listen to me. Life is life. And so the reality at some point, and, and, and what we learn about Jesus on a Monday that helps us be the finisher that we're supposed to be as followers is that there comes a point where you've got to draw a line. There comes a point where you've got to stand up and take a stand, and it may be unpopular. Can you imagine, listen to me, can you imagine, let's take Jesus out of the equation. Can you imagine if Joe, we'll just call him Joe, if Joe did what Jesus did on that Monday in the town square here at Leesburg, how would everyone react? We'd put that joker in jail. Right? Most of the churches would probably condemn Joe. Well, that's, that's not very loving. That's not very... Cu- and so this, this messes with us a little bit from the standpoint of understanding that, that when, it, when it comes to being a finisher... 
and following Jesus in the way that he intended, we're going to have to draw some lines. We're going to have to make some decisions. I'm going to come back to the abortion thing at the end today. Tuesday. Tuesday, he goes back to Jerusalem and on the way, for those of you who, are, who know the story or have read it, that's, that's the whole thing where he speaks to the, the fig tree and it withers up. Um, he taught on Tuesday from early in the morning till late at night in the temple. That's a pretty busy day, right? All day long, he's tipping, uh, he's, he's teaching. The, there's parables. He talks about taxes. Have you done your taxes? If you haven't, you're real late. Um, marriage in heaven, greatest commandment, hypocrisy. He does all these things. And then Wednesday comes, and I love Wednesday, because you know what he does on Wednesday? Nothing. There's nothing recorded about Wednesday. Scholars believe he stayed in Bethany and he rested all day long. Let me ask you a question. Are you Sabbathing? Are you resting? Are you sleeping the amount that you should sleep? Because you need to sleep. And what we learn about this with Jesus here is, if you don't rest, I mean, listen, guys, hey, I don't know about you. Do you put yourself on the same level as Jesus? Because I don't. But if Jesus needed rest, what does that mean for me? And the reality of is, is I think number two of your fill-ins here, first was entry, second is endurance. What it's going to take for us to be great finishers is endurance. And endurance is not just continuing to plow and continuing to plow and continuing to plow because you will burn out, Right? It's not what we, it, 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 is, it, it is not what we do when things are easy. It's what we do in the agony that makes us a great finisher. It's what we do when things are hard and when things are tough. But you know what it takes to keep a straight mind when things go bad? Rest. Over and over again, I, I, in my job, you can imagine, um, I, I spend a lot of time, most of the time people don't call me and say, hey, Pastor Mike, I need to talk to you. And I sit down with them, and they're like, life is fantastic. That's usually not what happens, right? What usually happens is, this is going on, my marriage is blowing up, whatever. People call me in crisis. And, it's, and, and it's, it's amazing because they think, I don't know, because I have this term pastor, um, that like apparently I don't put my pants on one leg at a time. And, and I've got the bat phone to God, and, and I'm just going to like fix what has taken them 10 years to destroy. I'm going to fix in five minutes of a conversation over coffee, right? When the reality of it is, is that in crisis, you can't solve it all in one minute. So I ask these crazy, simple questions. Hey, what time did you go to bed last night? And almost every time, oh, I couldn't sleep at all last night. Well, how, how in the world can you and I have a rational conversation right now? Your brain's not functioning. When was the last time you ate? You know, we're having marriage problems, this and that. I've noticed you've lost about, what do you, lost like 10 pounds or something? Yeah, I'm not eating at all. How in the world can you function if you're not eating? It's amazing how what we don't understand is that crisis, when we're in these moments and these crisis moments, we continue to make bad decisions and we don't rest. And we don't sit still and we've bought into this idea, I just got to be tough and keep pushing and all this kind of stuff. And I just need you to hear (laughs) the creator of the universe. Hey, guys, took a day off. Took a break. Rest. The idea of Sabbath is the idea that you take a day off. And for most people, Sunday is the day of Sabbath. 
Can I encourage you with something? Can I encourage you? And I'm about to get an amen from the guys, but don't do any work today. Go rest. And the ladies are like, oh my gosh. Listen to me. You will get more done in six days if you'll take a day off than you will in seven. As a matter of fact, you'll destroy your family if you keep doing seven and seven and seven and seven and seven. Because your brain's not functioning. Right? Even the Lord Jesus Christ took time off. Why did he take time off? Because he understood what was in front of him. Luke 22 and 42. Father, if you're willing, hey, take this cup from me. Here, this is Jesus praying in the garden. Hey, uh, hey, Dad, uh, any chance there's a plan B? Okay. Well, not what I want, but your will be done. And an angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Right? Because he took time away. When was the last time you really got still with God? I didn't say read a devotional. I didn't say listen to a podcast. Really got still. And if it makes you uncomfortable to be still, then you're out of practice. And what it means to have communion with God. The ability to be still. The only way that you're going to endure this life is if you learn to rest yourself properly. If you learn to have time where you take away and you refocus your heart, refocus your mind. Come on, guys. We're doing our best to try to figure our wives out. Come on. Say the right thing. Understand what it means to be a man. All these types of things. You guys are trying to figure out what it means to be a, a Christian walking through a high school campus or, or the stuff and the pressures that you're on. But we never take time to sit still and be with God. The only way you're going to endure and be a great finisher is if you learn to practice as Jesus. Make time to replenish and refocus your soul. The reason that's important, and then I've got to move on. The reason that that's important is because when you sit still, you know what it does? It makes you refocus on the why. It makes you refocus on what matters and what's important instead of focusing only on all the problems. Come on, how, do you know, how many of you know what it means to get in the middle of the week and all you can see is this problem and that problem and this struggle and that struggle and you feel overwhelmed and you feel buried and this is the beginning and onset of what we call depression and all kinds of mental health issues that we're having in our country. Why? Because we never sit still. Refocus my brain. Rethink. I'm going to tell you what, there are some worship songs that if I'll just go for a walk and listen to that worship song, I see the world completely differently. Because oftentimes, what did we say? What from a worldly perspective looks like failure, from a heavenly perspective is a setup for victory. But it's perspective. You're never going to change that perspective. So you take time. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But that's why you need to be here every Sunday. Because this is time where I'm doing my best to create a scenario and to talk to you in a way that maybe for just a few minutes you can forget all that, that stuff out there. You know all that stuff that you're about to go out to? You know that struggle and all that kind of stuff? But just for a few minutes here we come here and we sing songs and we hear God's Word and it helps us to refocus and rethink through the struggles and the strife. One last saying in this one. Stop comparing your miserable days to everybody else's highlight reel. 
Social media might be one of your struggles to being a good finisher. Because you look at everybody else and their perfect pictures that took three hours for them to make perfect. You compare your worst day to that perfect couple of seconds. Mom, you see that mom with her kids and they're playing and laughing and everybody's head's thrown back and it's fantastic. Right? And you're looking out on your phone, you turn around, one of your kid's trying to stab the other one with a knife. Stop comparing your miserable days to everyone else's highlight reel. Paul said it this way, listen to me, Acts 20 and 22, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul had accepted, life's going to bring some stuff at you. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I say it to you all the time. Life's going to be tough. You're going to have stuff, right? And I think it's only healthy for us as believers to come to that place where we go. There's going to be junk this week. And we don't like that. We want to hear the positive message. So let me say it to you this way. I'm positive you're going to have junk this week. That's just life. And Paul said that, right? I only know that the Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, however, catch this. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, you hear his why? You hear him answering why? You hear him refocusing himself on why? My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news God's grace. Entry, focus, why? And endurance. And in that endurance, we've got to have rest. So Thursday comes. Thursday night, Jesus has the Passover meal. Um, he he, he uh, washes his, their feet. Um, he, he goes through this whole evening of going to this Garden of Gethsemane. He sweats blood because of this prayer of agony. He gets arrested. He gets beaten up. He gets taken to an unfair trial late into the evening. Apparently, they guess they let him sleep for a little while, but then they wake him up 6, 6 a.m. Friday morning, as we already talked about. And he goes through the whole scenario until he comes full circle. 6 p.m. that night, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea lay his body in the tomb. But at 3 o'clock that afternoon, he said the words, It is finished. And he shows us what it means to actually find an end, which is your third point. Entry, endurance, end. For us to be the finisher. It's said this way in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. There's a why. You need a why? Here's a why. You have two options. You ready? You can stand before God one day and he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or you can stand before God one day and go, well, you're, you're done. And I don't know about you, but I so badly want to hear God look at me and go, well done, good and faithful servant. The things I've put before you, I know it was hard. I know it was tough. I know there were days when you thought about quitting. I know there were days when you were so frustrated, you were so upset with, with life, with failure, with, with words, with things that have been done to you, things that have been said, so frustrated with this world. 
And it seemed like the whole world was going to crash in. But you got up and you kept going. I'll show you a scene from the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. 400 meter relay. Most of you have probably seen this and remember this. Derek Redman. He's running the, the um, 400 meter relay. And in just a minute, what you're going to see happen is, is he tears his hamstring. Just blows out his hamstring as he's coming around the back stretch. Bam, out goes his hamstring. And he goes to the ground. And the picture and the illustration I want to give you is, I think maybe some of you kind of feel like that a little bit when it comes to different parts of your life. Like the hamstring is hit, and you go down, the whole rest, it seems like the rest of the world is just going, moving on without you. But look at Derek. Torn hamstring at all. Somehow he finds inside of himself this thing where he says, I have to finish my race. My race. It's not about everybody else. I'm not comparing on social media. And then here comes the man out of the uh, audience. You know who the man is? It's his father. It's his dad. I love this scene because his dad in just a few minutes, there's a, some of the officials are going to come and they're going to try and like get them off the track or get him help. You should just come over here and stop the race is what they're going to say. Right? Watch dad with this official. Love it. Get out, get away from us. You no, know, you should probably stop the race. You should probably quit. You know, you're just, you're hurt. You should stop. You should quit right now and do whatever. Look, look, here comes another official. Watch his dad. Love it. Coming back again. Can't take it. Got to say something to him again. Watch dad. And then Derek, with the help of his father does the coolest thing here. Watch. He goes, no, Dad, I have to finish in my lane. And he makes him move over to lane five, which was Derek's lane. He finishes the race. Here's the illustration. I know you might be hurting. I know you might be wanting to give up on something or quit. And I think what our Heavenly Father wants to say to you this morning is this. If you'll get up and start moving and keep moving, forget about everybody else. If you'll just get up tomorrow morning and keep moving forward, I'll come down out of the stands and carry you to the end. And there'll be plenty of people that come and they'll say, oh, you should just quit. You'll have friends that go, yeah, you should quit on that marriage. You'll have different people that come along and your father will be the one to help go, move, move along. Get, get away from us, let us do. So that you can finish the things that God has called you to do. Not just finish, but in your lane. Exactly what he has called you to do. So whatever it is today, whatever it is that God brought you to this place on this day for you to hear this message, each one of you got some things that maybe you've been frustrated with, you've thought about quitting, and God's saying to you today, I believe, just get up and keep moving. I'm going to help you finish this race. I will carry you through if you'll trust me in this. Maybe some of you today need to go back to the very first point. I don't know why I'm doing a lot of things. I need a new entry point. I need a new understanding of what it means to have why in my life, why in my marriage, why with my kids, why in what I do in my job. Maybe some of us, boy, this is a dangerous statement. (laughs) 
are doing the wrong job. Maybe, maybe we're doing that job because it was a bigger paycheck. Maybe that's why we're so frustrated and unhappy. I know a lot of people that have gone after running after paychecks in their lives, only to find misery and then come back and find purpose in what it is that God's called them to do. So I want to challenge you today. I don't know where you are in this, and you all are probably in different places. Some of you today need to consider, I need to think about whys in this entry, this idea of entry. Because you're, you're not even in the race because you don't have a race, because you don't have an end line. You're just surviving life. We're gerbils spinning on the wheel, right? Not really sure where I'm going without any kind of target. And maybe today you need to pray and say, God, would you help me? Maybe today you should write down all the things that you're doing and ask yourself, why am I doing this? God, would you give me an understanding of purpose? Now, don't give up on it too quickly because maybe God does have a purpose in it. Some of you here today need to hear and be reminded it's okay to take a day off. As a matter of fact, it's not just okay, it's necessary. It's required for you to be a great finisher. And then others of you here today just need to hear if you'll get up and keep moving, your Heavenly Father would love to come put His arm around you and carry you to the finish line. So wherever you are today, let me pray for you. And um, would you just be open to what it is that God's saying to you today? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder, God. I know so many times in my life I've almost quit on something. And so I pray over each and every person here today, whether it's the why or redefining the why of what we do, whether it's taking rest or thinking about what it means to endure, or God... Some of us just need to put our hands up and say, God, would you help me to the finish line today? Whatever that is, God, we thank you for touching our hearts today. God, I pray for anyone here today who doesn't know you or have a relationship with you. If that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to just give some words. They're just words. But if today you need to ask God to come into your life and to give you a why and give you a purpose, because he's got one. He thought it up before you were ever born. And it's just as simple as you surrendering your life today and say, God, would you come into my life? You might pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I surrender my heart and my life to you. I want to fulfill the purpose that you have created me for. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me, God, to serve you and to follow your purpose for my life. Pray it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.